0: I would like to welcome those joining us online today. I'm Pastor Zach, and, and Shelly and I have the privilege of leading this great group of people called Connection Point Church, and uh, we're so glad that we get to be here and are excited for us heading off into the fall and all the things that are going to transpire over the course of this year. We know it's going to be an incredible year for the church, and we, we eagerly anticipate that. Uh, welcome back, Purdue! We sure are thrilled that you're here. Uh, it always is an awesome thing to see the energy that happens at the start of a new school year. Maybe there's some frustration with traffic. I don't experience it. Um, that's because I live over here and I don't have to go down there. Um, but man, we're glad that Purdue is back. We love our Purdue students, graduate, undergraduate, professors. Uh, there's lots of travel and that takes place. Uh, to that end, we know that oftentimes, as a welcome back to school, you know, people are headed back to school. It's also a time where people start to get back into family rhythms of getting back to church. And so we want to encourage you to be a part of helping our local families do that, you know, as they're growing in their education. May they be growing in God. Um, So we on the on the way out this morning, if you want to grab and and put yard signs back in the yard, window decals back on the cars, invitation cards, uh, encourage people to get back to church. You know, we might be able to choose Jesus on our own, but we truly grow in Christ together. We need the body, we need the church. You see that all over the New Testament. So just encourage people to get back to church. We want to see uh, people staying connected to the body of Christ. Uh, uh, Labor Day weekend, we've got the Freedom 5K coming, uh, which is an awesome race that the church puts on. And so I want to encourage you, please be a part of that. All the proceeds from that race, they go to support Project Rescue and uh, Free International, which is a fight against human slavery and sex trafficking. And so we want to be a part of that. Part of the, the challenge for the world today is, is we should be addressing some of the social issues in the world today, and that's one of them. You know, we're called to set people free. We see in Follow Me, Jesus says, you'll be catchers of men, setting people free. So Freedom 5K is a great way to do that. Come out, run, walk, race, um, come out and volunteer. We'd love for you to be a part of that. Uh, we have a table on Main Street for you to sign up. It's the last day the table will be up. That's why I'm encouraging you to sign up. Uh, we don't want you to wait till the last minute. Come be a part of the Freedom 5K. We really want to encourage you to do that. Uh, one of the things I would like to pause for a moment, and uh, how about the youth in the middle? Did you notice that this morning? Youth, thanks for being in the middle. You truly changed the dynamic of what we're doing in the way of the church. I don't think the youth should be put somewhere off to the side or up the balcony, right? Shouldn't they be in the middle of it all? We're committed to you guys as, as disciple makers. You're not the future church. You are the church. So, we're so glad that you're willing to be in the middle. I'm sorry if it displaced some people that maybe sat you know, in those seats regularly. Uh, we did rope it off. We'll do it again next week just to encourage them to be there. But if you want to join the youth in the middle, you are more than welcome to be there. So, youth, don't be surprised if you start peeing, seeing people squeeze themselves in amidst you. Um, but man, we're glad that you guys are in the middle of it all. Thanks for being there. We love it. Uh, I, would, I would like to pause and pray for a moment. Um, be praying for Sandy Smith. She's making funeral arrangements this week. Uh, Dan passed away yesterday morning. Um, so could we just pause and pray for the Smith family? God, I just pray that you would be with Sandy. I pray as arrangements are being made, God, I do pray that you would um, just fill that home with your peace. God, I just pray that you'd fill Sandy's heart with your peace. As we look at a scripture today that talks about, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. God, we just pray for that promise. God, what a glorious day. Dan's not here worshiping with us. He is in heaven worshiping with you and the nations today. So God, we just, we glory in that. And so God, I just pray that there would be comfort in the Smith home this morning as they they reflect on that truth today. And God, I just pray that you give them wisdom as we plan. And God, I do pray uh, that as we mourn, that we are comforted in your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, I I don't know about you, but it was a little bit disturbing to watch the news this week, see some of the things going on in the country. Um, Disturbing. Hate, prejudice, racism, murder. It's just plain evil. Call it what it is. Uh, When our family lived in Jerusalem, we lived in a neighborhood that uh, our apartment looked down on the wall that separated the West Bank from Jerusalem, 20-foot razor-wire-laden wall. Uh, It was frequently patrolled by Israeli soldiers. It was a contentious neighborhood, and it was a stressful place to live. As I was watching the news this week and seeing some of the events that were taking place, not just in Virginia, but in other places around the country, Reminded me of of some of those things. And it's just not right. It's not kingdom. It's not God's will. I think we know that. And so the question is as we watch the news and we see American citizens not acting the way that they should, how do we respond as a church? How are we to live in order to make a difference in the world that we live in? I think it's a good question to ask. And another way of looking at that is even through the lens of citizenship. That's actually why we labeled this section. How many are never surprised when God aligns things according to his timeline? I never am. I mean, we head into this series, and I thought, what a week to head into a series about being a citizen of heaven. Because first and foremost, man, I love my blue passport. I cannot tell you how many times that got us out of trouble in overseas settings, because people don't want to mess with Americans. They don't. And so I'm so grateful for that blue passport. I was, we headed out Friday morning to run around the celery bog, What a joy that I can walk out of my house that is not surrounded by walls and go onto a trail. That's an amazing thing. We live in a great country, but that's not to say that it doesn't have issues. And first and foremost, before I'm a citizen of America, we're citizens of the kingdom of God. If you are in Christ, you are a citizen of heaven first. And that's a good thing because as we look at the qualities of a citizen of heaven it helps to define how we should also be living even as citizens of a country, as citizens of America. And so this passage that we're gonna look at this morning, it's a timely one, it helps to define what our response should be as the church when we see the world around us not acting as it should, not treating other people in the way that they should be treated. So I wanna come back around to how we respond, but I wanna mention that that's a little bit of where we're gonna go and where we're gonna end. But I want to come back around to that at the end of the message, and we're going to spend some time in prayer and prayer for our country, but I first want to have the, the ability to frame it according to these are timeless truths. So as we look at the state of the world today, we can look at timeless truths and have an answer for what is our response to that. So if you'll bear with me, let me walk through the scripture passages that we're going to get into today, and then we're going to come back around to some of these things and how we respond. As we look at the spoken words of Jesus... The passage that we're headed into this morning, it has incredible, incredible value. I mean, there's no way to really rank like this part of scripture is more important than this part. I mean, you really can't. All of it is of utmost importance. But in the end, you know, some of the Bibles, you heard of red letter Bibles? Those are the words of Jesus. Why do they do that? Why? Because those are, that's Jesus speaking. When you read those red letters, you're reading the very words of God being spoken. So there's value there. And if we were to somehow rank these words according to red letter, but even more than that, if you were here last week, we talked about Jesus choosing the 12 disciples and he comes out from that setting. He sits down and begins to speak to thousands. And what he's doing is he's defining what it is to be a citizen in the kingdom of heaven. This is the ordination service, the commissioning service of the disciples. So if we were to put some kind of ranking order In terms of matter of importance or things to pay attention to, this passage we're headed into this morning is really, really important. And there's other clues that give us the idea that this is an important passage. So, as we head into this passage today, I really want us to pay attention to these qualities because it really speaks a lot to who we are in Christ. They describe the qualities, the characteristics of a citizen of heaven. And as we look at this series today, what we're gonna discover is this that you can be blessed, that you are blessed as a citizen of heaven. So even when we live in a world that's unsteady and changing and things aren't right, we can still be blessed as citizens of heaven as we live in these qualities and characteristics. So if you have your Bibles, I do hope you do. If you're new to the church, I always encourage people, bring a Bible with you. I want you to take notes in your Bible. If you don't have a Bible with you, we do keep Bibles underneath the seats in front of you. We want to encourage you to keep that. And we're going to be reading Luke chapter 6 and verses 20 through 26. I'm going to have you be seated today because the passage that we're going to get into today involves a video. Do we have that, Andrew? Shelley and I live a blessed life. And yet if I were to ask some of you what you thought a blessed life was, a definition of what you think is blessed, I'm sure I'd get different answers. But as we look at Luke chapter 6 and Matthew chapter 5, we find the definition that Jesus gives of what it is to live a blessed life, a blessed life as a citizen in the kingdom of God. And so we want to look through this list. And as we do, I think what you'll find is is Jesus's definition of a blessed life runs counter to a lot of what we would consider to be the qualities of a blessed life. So if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with me to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6, I'm going to be reading verses 20 through 26. And Luke writes, And he lifted up his eyes to his disciples and said, so Jesus lifts up his eyes and says, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, And when they exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man, rejoice in that day and leap for joy. For behold, your reward is great in heaven. For so their fathers did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you shall be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Woe to you when all people speak well of you, for so their fathers did to the false prophets. Now I'm going to turn to Matthew chapter 5, and I'm going to read the first 12 verses there. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And in the introduction, what we see here, Jesus seeing the crowds. So we're standing in the place in what is the natural amphitheater that Jesus sat in. He would have sat down in the the pinnacle point where the crowds would have wrapped around this hillside. 5,000 is what they say in numbers, but of course they're counting the men. So 10,000 people. And so we're in the place where Jesus is sharing this very important message. And he continues as he's unpacking of what it means to live a blessed life. He says, blessed are those poor in spirit. This is where he begins, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. And blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you and others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil things against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So we know this, this message that Jesus is sharing. In Luke's gospel, we see that Jesus has gone up on a mountaintop. He selected the disciples. And then we have this passage, this passage of the Sermon on the Mount, as it's called in your Bibles. But what this really is, is this is like the commissioning service for the disciples. This is is their sending out. This is what Jesus is explaining as it pertains to what it means to follow him, to be a, a citizen in the kingdom of heaven. When we look at Matthew's Gospel, Matthew 5, we see that this was a message that, that Jesus widely circulated. As Jesus was traveling throughout Galilee, traveling throughout Judea, this is the message he's sharing. So that's why this message is so important for us to understand. We find in Matthew's Gospel that he says he sat down. It was a, a, a symbol of authority that what he was about to say was really important says he opened his mouth because what he was going to share was coming from his heart. It was, it was really important for Jesus to explain this message as it relates to being a citizen in the kingdom of God. So we need to take hold of this message today, and we need to understand what it means. And so what I'm going to do is I want to first uh, review the first six of these blessings and talk about those briefly. And then I'm going to unpack a little bit more deeply the last two that we haven't covered up to this point. Because what we find in this definition of a blessed life is Jesus says to experience a blessed life, you must be a citizen in the kingdom of God. And so we need to understand what it looks like to be that citizen. As we look at this passage of scripture, it helps to define who we are in the kingdom of God. And the first thing we draw out of it is that you are blessed as a citizen of heaven by pursuing righteousness. You are blessed as a citizen of heaven by pursuing righteousness. What we find as we continue into the New Testament is Paul writes in Romans, and he brings up a very uh, interesting passage that relates to what we're going to get into here today. He says in, um, in Romans uh, 13, 14, here's what it says. But instead, clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ, And don't let yourself think about ways to indulge your evil desires. Clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. What Paul is talking about here, he's actually referring to what would have been like a playwright. So he's using a word here that would have been like somebody putting on a play and they're wearing the clothes of the person that they're now acting like. That's what he's talking about here. So he's saying we should put on the clothes of Christ and when we do that, we should be acting like him. We need to live out his qualities. So we're to follow Jesus by consciously embracing him in such a way that his character is manifested in everything that we do and say. Our ambition is to be more like Jesus. And the more like him we are, the better that is. Whenever I do a wedding, I always charge the husbands. This is a fun charge. So wives, Feel free to evaluate your husbands this morning. Because the charge is this, that the longer they live with you, the longer that you are married, the more your wife should see Jesus in you. How often is it the opposite? (laughs) No, don't raise any hands, don't point any fingers. (laughs) No fights over lunch today. But that's what I charge them with. The longer that I'm married to Shelly, the more she should see Jesus in me. Um, And that's a hard thing to do, but that's what we're called to. But what's also interesting with that, as we look at ourselves as citizens of heaven, the more that we're like Jesus, the more uh, we're no longer going to look like the people who don't know him, the more different we're going to look to those who don't have a relationship with God. You know, if we're to be clothed with the character of Jesus, it would be great to know what that looks like in order that we wear those clothes well, right? Right? We need to know what that is. And the good news is Jesus shares what those qualities are in this passage and in Matthew chapter 5, and we're going to bounce back and forth between the two. And the core of the message, as we look at this, it's found in Matthew 6.33. So Jesus is preaching this message. What we actually find between the Gospels is this seemed to be an ongoing message, that every time Jesus was speaking, he was talking through these principles. This was his ongoing message. This is what he's preaching over and over and over as he travels, And the core of the message is this, it says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else is added. So a good question to ask is, what is righteousness? Because the theme of this message is righteousness. Righteousness is giving to God and to people what they're due. That's what righteousness is. When man is giving God what his due is, the Bible translates the word as righteousness. But when God is giving man what they are due, it's translated in the Bible as justice. Same thing. So there's a righteous justice. Seek first the kingdom and righteous justice and everything else is added to you. So there's a link between righteousness and justice when we're looking at that word. And what Jesus is saying is, is as you seek to be right with God, As you seek to be right with people, everything else works itself out with the Holy Spirit in your life. This is the core of the message. Love God, love people. Everything else is just details. Be right with God, seek justice for people, and all things will be added. That's the promise. That's why we do things like the Freedom 5K, because we wanna be a part of seeking justice for people, the least of these, those that can't seek it for themselves. And at the end of the message, Jesus is recorded in in Luke and in Matthew. At the very end, Jesus shares the parable of the house on the rock and on the sand. That's like Sunday school 101 for kids' classes. Right? I mean, how who hasn't heard that parable? And what Jesus is saying is look, as you get to the end, that's the conclusion to this message on what it is to be a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. He's saying that you in your life, you're building a house with your life. What kind of house are you building? And upon what foundation are you building it upon? If you go through these teachings of Jesus as he looks, walks through the sermon, he's saying if you build it upon these qualities, when storms come, because in this life, storms will come. When you say yes to Jesus, that doesn't mean every problem goes away. In fact, quite the contrary. When we get to the back end of this list of blessed are those, we get blessed are the persecuted. These aren't world qualities. These are kingdom qualities. So in this life, you're gonna face storms and when you face them, are you standing on a rock or is your house, is your life built upon the sand? Jesus says, if you build it upon the rock, your life can weather storms. No matter what comes, God will be there and he'll walk you through. So basically, the ongoing message of Jesus, it talks about blessed citizens of heaven. This is what he's continuing to preach to people. And blessed refers to those who are fortunate, those who are happy, Jesus is saying, look, you really want to be happy? Here's the way. You live as someone who's right with God and someone who purposes themselves to live right with others, all others. You follow the principles I've laid out, and by doing so, your life is built on a firm foundation, one that can weather storms. And it's not gonna look like you might think. The qualities of kingdom citizens are gonna be very different than what the world would say we should live as, what we think would make us happy. But this is the true way to happiness, Jesus says. This and this alone is the type of person who's truly happy, the person who's really blessed. So Jesus, he sits down, he's surrounded by thousands of people. He selected the 12 that are going to follow him most closely. He opens his mouth, he speaks from his heart, and then he proclaims, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So we find that you are blessed as a citizen of heaven by recognizing your need for help. You're blessed as a citizen of heaven by recognizing your need of help. The message Jesus is sharing, it's a description of character and not a code of ethics or morals. This is really, really important as we head into this list. The list of kingdom citizen qualities that we're going to go over is not to be regarded as law. It's not a new kind of Ten Commandments or a set of rules and regulations which are supposed to be lived out by us. Here's what I want you to understand with this list of of qualities. So often we can look at scripture and we can look at it as a list of do's. Okay, well, okay, now I've gotta be poor in spirit, I've gotta mourn, I've gotta be meek, I've gotta be humble. That's not what Jesus is saying. What he's saying is, as you draw close to me, as you are near me, you're gonna start to reflect these qualities. You cannot do these qualities on your own, I promise you. You can't be meek, you can't be humble, you really can't be poor in spirit, you really can't mourn over sin by yourself. You've gotta have God in you to do those things. As you draw close to Jesus, these qualities live out. So if you want a to-do list today, it's one thing. Be near Jesus. Be near me, Lord Jesus. That's, that's such a great Christmas song. Be near me, Lord Jesus, that's it. If you're near Jesus, this is what you look like. This is how you exhibit these qualities. And when, you know, when we're given that scripture passage, it says you shall know them by their fruit, this is a great list. If you see people that exhibit these qualities, you know they're near Jesus. They're living near him. And here's what Luke does. He actually records contradictory statements. I read them both this morning. So I'm gonna read them um, back to back. Verse 20 and verse 24. It says, blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. And then he says, but woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. So even though in Matthew he doesn't list the contradictory woes, the crowd that's listening understands with blessings, there are woes. And here's what he's saying. It is a blessing to be in the kingdom and woeful to be living outside of it. You are blessed when you live in the kingdom and woe to you if you're living outside of it. That's what he's saying. And there's two words that are translated as poor in the New Testament. There's the word poor, and that simply means poor. But there's also another word that means destitute. So when Matthew here records blessed are the poor in spirit, he's actually using the word destitute. Blessed are the destitute in spirit. That's a better translation. Because someone who's poor, they might be able to work themselves out of their poverty. They can rise above it. But a destitute person, they're hopelessly in need. There's no way out. They end up begging for an existence. So Jesus doesn't just say blessed are the poor, Or blessed are those with few material possessions. We can translate it that way sometimes. That's not what he's saying. He's saying blessed are the poor in spirit. That tagline is really important. When Jesus talks about the poor in spirit, he's referring to people who are spiritually bankrupt. Blessed is the person who recognizes their need and correctly responds. That's what he's saying. Fortunate is the person who evaluates their condition accurately. The poor in spirit, they have a complete absence of pride. They have a complete absence of self-assurance and self-reliance. The poor in spirit live with a consciousness that they are nothing in the presence of God. That's a person who's poor in spirit. Think about Peter. If you were here for Luke chapter five and, and Jesus says, cast out the nets, he brings in this incredible catch. How does he respond? Depart from me. You are holy and I am not worthy to be in your sight, Lord. That's the response of somebody who's poor in spirit. And as we walk through these blessings, as we walk through this list of kingdom qualities, we'll find that there's actually a ranking order built into the list. And it starts with this one. And I'm gonna talk about this as we go, but for this blessing, here's what it's all about. You have to become empty so that Jesus can fill you up. You have to empty yourself of all that you are so that God can make you new in him. It's a recognition you have nothing without God. And that's why you pursue citizenship in the kingdom of heaven. All of the other blessings, they stem from this one. It all starts here. This is ground zero. You enter the kingdom and you live in the kingdom by continually understanding that you are poor in spirit. You're a destitute beggar before God. You know, and begging before God, here's what it requires. It requires you being teachable and correctable. That's what it requires. Here's something to think about. Mature followers of Jesus are not only teachable, but they actually seek out opportunities to be corrected. Do you know people like that? I know a few. That's a kingdom quality. Mature followers of Jesus are not only teachable, they actually seek out opportunities to be corrected. That's the mark of a mature follower of Jesus. And as we talk about being citizens in the kingdom of heaven, one could ask, well, where is the kingdom? The kingdom has come, the kingdom is coming, and the kingdom has yet to come. It has dawned with the coming of Jesus, and it will be in full shining array when Jesus comes again. Basically, in your life, wherever you allow God to rule, that's where the kingdom has come. Where there's areas of your life that you've not submitted to him, the kingdom is not there. This is why we pray, God, your kingdom come. Come into my life come into the life of everyone that I interact with. So we live in the interim between the inauguration of the rule and for when Jesus will come again. So the more earnestly you plead your condition before God, the more he rules your life. As you recognize your spiritual poverty and you remain teachable, you experience citizenship in the kingdom of heaven. To be a citizen, you must be poor in spirit. And how do we live in that kingdom together? We join arms with other believers and we're destitute beggars before God together. We do it together. Join ranks with others who recognize their spiritual bankruptcy, and then you live in the kingdom. So to experience the blessing of living as a citizen of heaven, here's what you must do. Accurately recognize and acknowledge your spiritual bankruptcy. It starts there. See yourself as dependent upon God, pleading for his help, and then evaluate yourself accurately, remaining teachable before God and others in the church. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. So the second blessing is, blessed is a citizen of heaven who mourns over sin. You are blessed as a citizen of heaven as you mourn over sin. This blessing, blessed are those who mourn, it calls for the faithful to mourn over the evil in their own lives as they realize their inability to conquer it unaided. This is why you can't do this on your own. You can't mourn over your own sin unless God is helping you do that. In other words, there's a blessing for those who mourn over sin and feel toward it as God does. If you can view sin as God does, that's a godly trait. Citizens of heaven can do that. Those who mourn, they admit their sin and they purpose themselves to not do it again. That's the quality. Sin a product of waywardness and rebellion, it came with dire consequences. Sin led us to be eternally separated from God. And this led a loving God to send his son to die a sacrificial death. The cross reveals the gravity of sin. Think about the cross. That was the payment for sin. Citizens of the kingdom of heaven, they mourn over sin. So that's that's what we should be. If we're following Jesus, That's what we should be, our response. But non-citizens, here's how they respond. So this is your self-evaluation piece. They shall know you by your fruit. If this has been some of your response to sin, you need to get closer to Jesus so you start living out this quality. Non-citizens, they deny it. They justify it. They laugh at it. They hide it. They're apathetic toward it. They're angry only if stopped and sorry only if caught. That's the non-citizen response to sin. Godly repentance and mourning over sin are reflected in kingdom citizens. How many of you know what a miser is? Do you know what a miser is? you know what that word is, miser? Okay, here's the definition. A miser, they hoard wealth and spend as little money as possible. Okay, now do you know somebody in your life that's a miser? Don't name names. But misers, they don't, like to spend money. But guess what? They have to spend money. They still need food, shelter, and clothing. So misers have to spend money. Like everybody else, they need these things. But misers, they hate to spend money. Similarly, believers, they're miserly about sin. That's the comparison. Paul, an early church apostle, he writes in the New Testament, he says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We all do. But believers You know, they occasionally act waywardly, they transgress, they make mistakes, they stumble. But the question is, what is your response when this occurs in your life? Do you mourn? Do you hate sinning? Citizens of the kingdom of heaven, they recognize personal sin as offensive to God. And a citizen not only mourns over their own sin, they also also mourn over the sins of others. Kingdom citizens, they mourn over the state of the whole world as they see the moral mess and unhappiness and suffering of mankind. When you see things as they should not be, you can mourn over that. Maybe that's been your response as you've looked at some of the events this last week or just in general over the last couple of years in the nation. But the promise we have from Jesus is that those who mourn, what happens? They shall be comforted. Followers of Jesus, they possess joy because we have the Holy Spirit. Here's what Jesus promised in John 16. He said, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. Jesus sends us a helper, a comforter. The Greek word is parakletos, and it signifies one who consoles, comforts, or encourages. That's the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit. He helps citizens of the kingdom of God. And it's the Holy Spirit who gives us the supernatural ability to live out these characteristics. And now there is a difference, I want to I say, between joy and happiness. There's a difference there. When we talk about joy, that's very different than just simply being happy. Because joy is peace and contentment and satisfaction no matter what life brings. But happiness, it's conditional on events. It's connected to what's happening. I'm happy because of what's happening. That's what happiness is. Joy is given by Jesus and nothing shakes it. One of the things that's interesting when you look at the blessing is that Jesus himself is described as the man of sorrows. I don't know if you've thought about that. We're gonna find him later in Luke. He weeps over Jerusalem. Here's what it says. And when he, Jesus, he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it. So we see how Jesus mourns. But we also see after he mourns, he's crucified, he's resurrected, he ascends to the Father. Talk about ultimate comfort. He sits at the right hand of the Father. So does he mourn? Yes, but is he comforted? Absolutely. So we can look at Jesus as the ultimate citizen of heaven. And as we look at his life, then we can live those same things out. A citizen of the kingdom, they look at the world, and even as they examine themselves, they're unhappy. They groan in their spirit. They know something of the burden of the sin as seen in the world, which was felt by the apostles and Jesus himself. And yet that kingdom citizen is immediately comforted. They know that glory is coming. They know a day will come when Jesus will return and sin is banished from earth. That's the ultimate comfort and the promise that we have in him. And this is how we can be blessed as citizens of heaven. And I will say this. Mourning doesn't bring comfort, but it opens the door for comfort. And so that's how we wanna close uh, this morning. What I wanna do is I wanna pray for our nation. Can we do that today? I'd like us to corporately take time to mourn for the evil that rests in our hearts. We gotta start there. We can't look at the news and say, well, I don't exhibit some of those same qualities in my life. We're gonna mourn over our own hearts, but then we need to mourn over the sin that's been expressed outside these walls. And we can mourn, because we know it's a difficult time. It may even seem like evil is winning. I don't know if you think that way sometimes. But in spite of it all, God still has a plan for his church. God still has a plan for you. God has a plan and purpose for each one of us. And what I love is we are a diverse church. We've got lots of nations represented in this church. And what a joy that we get to experience that. Black and white and Asian and African and, and Hispanic. All throughout this church. And I will say this, if, if you're not comfortable with the nations, you're not going to be comfortable in this church. Um, I would also point out you're not going to be comfortable in heaven. You need to read Revelation. Here's what it says. After this, I looked and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and unto the Lamb. I love as we come together on a Sunday morning, as we worship together with many nations of different races and languages, we get to experience heaven on Sunday mornings. We get a taste of it every Sunday morning. So as we look at the world today, we need to pray for our nation and pray that God has his way. God sent his son Jesus to die for all men. We will love everyone God loves, regardless of race, color, country of birth, immigration status, or political affiliation. Any movement or group that attempts to disqualify people from the love of God, they're really not a friend of this church. Do you agree with that? We know who God is and what his calling is on our lives and who we're to be in the world today. And so we wanna pray for the people in Charlottesville, absolutely, but we need to pray for people all across this nation. So I'm gonna invite you to stand, and we're gonna first start in. In prayer and then we'll close in song you know god is still working and so we're going to start in mourning but do we end there what's the scripture say mourning opens the door for comfort because we know god's got this he's not surprised by the events in the world today jesus said i conquered sin death and the devil on the cross praise god the cross has taken place and so we can be comforted today so what I just want us to do is to corporately join together in prayer. Can we pray for our nation? Pray that his kingdom come, his will be done on earth, in the U.S. as it is in heaven. Can we pray that today? So let's just take time. Feel free to raise your hands to pray. If you want to come to the front at the altar and pray, it is yours. So whatever, wherever you're comfortable to pray, let's just take some time to pray this morning, and then we'll come back in song.